This is the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church, and each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who might have missed the sermon can catch it later. And we want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from September 10th, 2023, and the text was Hebrews 12, 18 to 29. At the end of the sermon, we played a song called Echo Holy during our service. That music is not included in this podcast to avoid any copyright complications. However, a link to the song is included with the notes for this episode. Or simply Google Red Rocks Worship Echo Holy, and you will probably find the YouTube video of the music we played during our service. Um, Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 29 is what we are looking at this morning as Linda read. And as we've worked through uh, this letter of Hebrews, we've mentioned... Uh, I thought something wasn't quite right. I could see you all, actually. Now I can't. Um, as we mentioned multiple times, the purpose uh, for the author in writing this letter is to encourage his readers to stand firm in their faith. And again, these are Jewish brothers and sisters who find themselves under um, intense pressure to return to their Jewish ways of being in relationship with God, uh, to rely on their own ability to follow the Mosaic law in order to be made right with God. And throughout the entire letter, the author has been imploring his readers to hold on, to stand firm in their faith in Christ, And he's shown how Jesus is superior to the angels, how he's superior to Moses, uh, to the former high priest. We spent some time there. How the new covenant that he has brought into effect is far superior than the old covenant. How Christ's blood is the only sacrifice that's sufficient to take away our sin. And because of his work on the cross, cross, we can go right into the presence of the almighty God of the universe with confidence. So as he wraps up his letter now, we're getting close to the end, he pleads with them one more time and gives one more reason to hold on to Jesus. And as I began preparing uh, for this sermon and, and read it for the first time, I realized what a beautiful reason it is. And as I prepared um, this sermon, um, my prayer for myself, for my family, Uh, for you, my brothers and sisters here uh, in this church, is that no matter where you are in life, no matter what pressures you find yourself under, uh, no matter what circumstances that you may be walking through, that through these verses here in this passage, that you will gain a better understanding of who God is, of His holiness, His perfection, His power, His grandeur, His grace, his love, and his redemptive power. All those things I hope we can all understand it a little bit better as we work through this passage here today. It's what the author is calling his readers to. Get a better view, understand a little more of who God is. It's what the course that we, that we know, turn your eyes upon Jesus says. When it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, 
look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, those things that we're walking through, uh, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So in today's passage, the author gives us two views of God. And they're contrasting views. And he also gives us a view, a look at the two covenants that he has made with mankind. And the first one that he wants us to look at is when God made uh, the covenant with Moses and the children of Israel there at Mount Sinai right after he delivered uh, the children of Israel from Egypt. And he refers to Exodus 19 in the following chapters um, as he begins this, to give us this first view. Um, go read them on your own. Uh, I would suggest we're not going to cover them all here, uh, obviously, <clears throat> or we'd be an hour and five minutes. But, um, but the recipients of this letter that received who it was that the author of Hebrews was writing to, the original readers, would have known this story well. Uh, it was foundational to them as, as Jews. Um, however, if you're like me, you're going to need a little refresher. So here's the quick version. Chapter 19 starts off of Exodus uh, that the author refers to here in these first few verses. Starts off with exactly two months after they left Egypt. So two months after they've been, have left Egypt, um, the children of Israel. So remember that they as a nation had been in Egypt for a few hundred years. They had become slaves. We know the story. And it seems as though they hadn't heard much from God during that time. But now all of a sudden, he begins speaking to them through a burning bush, through sticks turning into snakes through uh, flies, frogs, rivers, the river turning to blood, uh, darkness, dead cows, boils, and the rest of the plagues uh, that he showed himself through there uh, in Egypt, including the firstborn of all who did not paint their doorpost with the blood of the lamb as they were commanded to. So God is, is starting to, to reveal himself to them a little bit more. He led them as a pillar of fire by night as they left Egypt and as a cloud during the day. And when they came to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are close on their heels in hot pursuit, all of a sudden a path opens up before them. They walk across on dry ground. The Egyptians continue to pursue and the water falls back down and, and they are saved. So all of a sudden they're hearing from God quite often. And he's doing miracles and displaying his power. And now they come just a couple months into this and they find themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. And God tells Moses, he says, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to the people. And I want to make a deal with you. I want to make a contract, a covenant with you of how our relationship is going to work. And so Moses goes and tells them this and they say, okay, we'll, we'll listen. And so God then gives Moses strict instructions on how this meeting's going to take place. And he tells Moses, he says, mark off a boundary around the mountain so that no one, no person, no animal can come to the mountain and touch the mountain while I am there. He says, wash yourselves, cons consecrate yourselves for three days. 
And if anyone crosses that boundary and touches the mountain while my presence is there, then that person, that animal must die. And don't touch them. You either shoot them with arrows or you stone them. But do not touch that person because they have come in my presence and touched that mountain. So it's very, very strict instructions on how this meeting is going to take place. Exodus 19, verses 16 through 19 reads, and again, try to picture this in your mind. Jamie gave us a picture of, of what the Nevi clay people look like, what their houses look like, what, what happens, and that helps us. I can't do that, obviously, right now, but try to picture in your mind what this must have looked like, what it sounded like, what it felt like to be there. So this is Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 to 19. It says, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. An amazing, it just must have been terrifying, is about the best word that I can, can come up with. So after God speaks to them, he gives them the, the Ten Commandments. He gives them the outline of this new covenant that he's that they are going to enter into. On farther down in Exodus 20, verses 18 to 20, it says that the people replied with this. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance and they trembled with fear. And they spoke to Moses and said to him, You speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak directly to us. Or we will die. So this is what the author of Hebrews is referring to here in verses 18 to 21 when he says, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight <clears throat> that he said, I am terrified and trembling. So this is the view of, of the God that demands complete obedience. <clears throat> the covenant that he made with him there in the wilderness was strict. It required absolute perfection. It was designed to show them that on their own, they could not live up to its standards. They had to realize that if they in and of they had to realize that they in and of themselves could not keep it. They were destined to fail. You might say, well, that's that's not really fair. Why, why would God be so mean as to call, as to do that to them? Well, they, and I think we today need to be reminded that we cannot live up to that standard on our own. Even on this side of the cross, as we begin to understand it a little better, we still try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and work our way 
into God's favor. But it doesn't work now. It obviously did not work then. They see God in all of His glory and in His holiness. And they say, sure, sure, we'll do, we'll do everything you say. You're awesome. We know you're powerful. We've seen it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are going to do it. But as soon as Moses goes back up the mountain, they break the first command of the, of the covenant that they had just agreed to. And they have Aaron build the, the golden calf. And they say, this, this is who delivered us from Egypt. We don't know where Moses is. He's probably dead up there. I mean, again, two months after they had just seen it. And it's probably, Moses was up there a month or whatever. So they had just seen all this. And they still can't keep it. They break the, the first and most important one. So they had seen everything over the past two months. The promises, and they had made all these promises, yet they still failed. The law did not work then to make them right with God. It does not work for us now. So that's one view. So what's the contrasting view of God and the new covenant that he provides. We see that in verses 22 and 20 through 24 here in today's passage. And again, listen carefully as I read it. And contrast what this looks like compared to what it was, to the, compared to the picture that you had in mind from Mount Sinai. The author of Hebrews says, No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, into countless thousands of angels and a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. It's an amazing contrast. As God's own children, we will one day see heaven. We will see it for eternity. We will experience it fully. And there will be countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Again, terror, a huge joyful gathering. They will be worshiping God continually. The meeting on Sinai was terrifying. We, however, look forward to a joyful meeting. And the author continues by saying, even though I was once dead, and my, uh, I was dead in my sin and deserving of eternity in hell, because of what Christ has done for me, I have been adopted into the family of God. I have been given a new name. I'm no longer illegitimate. I am a child of the king. And then he continues on and he says, we have come to God himself. Remember how earlier in Hebrews, the author talked about how under the old covenant, only the priest could enter into the God's presence. And that after a whole bunch of ceremony and, and bloodshed and, and all that stuff. And it only happened once a year. But now under the new covenant, we have complete access to the throne room of God. And we can enter boldly and with confidence 
in Christ's redemptive work. Also, we come to the joyful meeting where those who have gone on before us have now been made perfect. And we can have the confidence that we too will be made completely perfect one day. And Jesus himself will be there as well as our mediator. The one through whom all of this has been made possible. We are there because of his perfect blood. Because his perfect blood made the sufficient sacrifice. The wages of sin are no longer death because Christ's death brought forgiveness. God's vengeance and his wrath have been satisfied by Christ dying in our place. If we enter this new covenant by simply believing it. So the author has given his Jewish brothers and sisters and us today two very different pictures of God And he's shown the contrast between the Old and the New Covenant. And we see the stark difference between the two. And now he gives his readers and he gives us today a choice. Which covenant will you choose to restore your broken relationship with God? Will it be through the law? Will you rely on the blood of animals to wipe your sins away? Will you rely on your own works And by following this list of rules to perfection without a single spot or blemish? Will you rely on a mere man to be your priest, your mediator between yourself and God? Or do you choose a better covenant? The one that's fulfilled by Christ. The one that brings wholeness and true forgiveness. That is complete and that God's vengeance and judgment are satisfied. It's based on Christ's perfection, not on your own good works. You see, the, the, both views that the author gave us of God are accurate. They're both reality. If you rely on the old covenant and on your good works to restore your relationship with God, then you're going to find yourself insufficient. And you will see the wrath of God. Just as the children of Israel did when they continually disobeyed. However, if you choose Christ's covenant and payment for your sin, then you will not face his wrath, only his loving kindness and grace and mercy. And the meeting will be joyful, not a meeting of terror. And again, all because what Christ because of what Christ has done not a result of ourselves. So verses 25 through 27, as we continue to work through this, say, be careful that you do not refuse. Remember, you have a choice. Which one are you going to choose? The old or the new? And he says, be careful that you don't refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that, un, so that only unshakable things will remain. We are unshakable if we are under the blood of Christ. So in closing... If we have accepted Christ's sacrifice for our sins by believing that he is sufficient and by yielding our lives to him, what do we do from here? 
The passage tells us to worship him. Remember what it is that he has done for us. Look at how wonderful, how awesome he is, and give him the glory that he is due. The author says this by finishing out these verses, 28 and 29, by saying, "Since Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For God is a devouring fire. So I ask you today, what are you relying on to restore your relationship with a perfect, righteous, holy, and fearful God? Are you relying on your own good works? Are you relying on your family name? Are you hoping that maybe he will just turn a blind eye to your sin and that you might just luck your way into heaven? God's word makes it perfectly clear that that will not happen. And it makes it perfectly clear, if that's what you're relying on, that you will see the side of God that was there at Mount Sinai. A terrifying experience. My plea with you today is to allow Christ to do a work in you so that your name will be written in his book. It's a child of his. If you've already done done that, and worship him for who he is and for what he has done. When I uh, began working on this uh, sermon and, and started reading, uh, I, I think I've mentioned lots of times, I uh, I enjoy listening to, Kyle and I have a playlist on Spotify um, and a lot of worship music. And, and uh, there's a song that I found... Uh, few months back I think I even played it here and I asked Carl if I texted him the other day he's been sick this week and I said hey you gonna be at church and he's like no like but can you and he says yeah so so he came yesterday and and got this uh, brought up Um, but I think it's a picture of what we will see uh, when we meet God so I'm Randall's gonna play it Um, worship God Pay attention to the words and and see if and allow it to uh, show you, give you that view of God. And if you haven't made that choice, then I um, beg you to to choose that right covenant, choose um, the God of love and forgiveness uh, that that He has done for us. So you can come up front. You don't have to. You can. Um, I mean, if, if you want to make that choice now, talk to Jeremy or I or somebody else uh, before we leave. But uh, just worship as we listen to this song. have been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from September 10th, 2023. During this part of our service, directly after the sermon, we played Echo Holy. A link is in the episode notes. Take care.